I think that makes more sense. It's still Chuck fucking with them. With ev- it's more actually Chuck is actually also fucking with the angels. Ah, uh, Chuck fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Saving People Queering Things, the supernatural podcast where things get even more meta than usual. (laughs) Today we're pulling up to season four with episode 18, The Monster at the End of This Book. My name is Abigail and my pronouns are they, them. I'm Noah, my pronouns are he, him. I'm Elena, my pronouns are she, they. And we have a special guest back this week. Would you like to introduce yourself, friend? Hello, my name is Jesse. I'm .tired.gay on TikTok. My pronouns are she, they. Woo-hoo. Hello, I'm glad Jessie. to have you back. I'm glad to be back. Yay. It's like your third appearance here. Like, yes. yeah. yeah, glad to be back. Yeah, we love having you. <laughs> Always a good time. This is yes. it. Just a, a real banger of an episode. Oh, <laughs> so good. <laughs> top five for me. This is in my top five of episodes. Yes, and this is almost a comfort episode, which is very weird to say out loud same it does not make sense but i do feel like i do watch this episode when i want to watch supernatural but i want to not feel too sad you watch this episode when you want to watch supernatural like this this episode is like if you were trying to get someone to understand what supernatural is as a show you would show them this episode yes i literally saw my partner's like the the gears in his brain turning when he was watching this with me (laughs) this morning like i literally saw him going oh (laughs) but a couple of things fantastic well, I feel like it, it really gets into the um, the things that make Supernatural interesting as mm-hmm. a show. Like, it actually, like, introduces, like, fun mechanics that they continue to do. Yeah. While also having your favorite character in, i.e. cast. Yes. Yes. And it, and it also is, like, one of the episodes where once you have seen the whole show the amount of rewatchable oh crap moments in it that make you be like this was all there the whole time it just it's it's that galaxy brain exploding meme <laughs> actually no i do have a question i do have a question and my question is related to a certain children's book that i need to know if you all have read because uh, if you've not it's very important it's this this episode is titled the monster at the end of this book this is based on a children's book and i'm going to show it and i'm going to post a picture of this on our twitter but I'm going to show it to my hosts right now because this is a this is a Sesame Street book. This is what this episode is named after. It is a it is a, it is a story about Grover um, who really does not want to get to the end of this book because at the beginning of the book he's told there's a monster at the end of this book, and so he does all of these sorts of things, including building walls and. It's very meta. It's a very meta it's, it's book. A very meta I'm sort sorry, of book. you're telling me this episode is based on a Sesame Street book. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And this Correct. is a book that I like grew up like I love mm. this book as a kid. And so when I got to this episode the first time I watched it, I remember like seeing the title and being like, no, that's not a reference to Sesame Street. Um, no it is way. in fact reference to Sesame Street. <laughs> the funny part is I always knew that this episode title was a reference, but I did not know to what. <laughs> well, now you know. I am gonna post a couple of pictures on our Twitter this week of a couple of key pages of this book this book is is you know in a very children's way about pushing back against the narrative as mm. you will <laughs> which, fighting back against what people tell you which you know <laughs> is is sort of fitting kind of shaped uh, you as Making a child and informed your go, decisions yeah. perhaps yeah. interesting <laughs> interesting <laughs> oh my god 
But now that you've met all of our hosts, it's time to catch you guys up. If you haven't watched Supernatural recently, here's what you've missed on the road so far. So first up, going to recap the show so far. So are you ready? I'm, am I ready? Uh, that's a really good question. We are 18 episodes in. This is always my favorite part of the season to do this, do the series recap. Uh, mm-hmm. A very small amount of information that I need to remember for this. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna go for it. All right, three, two, one, go. Okay, so there is this angel, his name is Castiel, and he raises Dean from hell. Uh, However, the reason he raises Dean from hell is because God has plans for him, and these plans are to stop the apocalypse, because Lilith, this high-up demon, one to kill Dean, is trying to uh, break seals to raise Lucifer from the cage. But there is some suspicious stuff with the angels. Things are not all as they seem, and uh, turns out, maybe everyone's kind of in on it? Maybe? Beautifully done. Beautifully done. Magnificent. I feel like we're ready to watch the episode again. We're at least ready to hear a recap of it from Jesse. Perfect. My favorite part. (laughs) Everyone's everyone's favorite part. I have full confidence in you. I think we have one guest host who genuinely enjoys this this part of like the recap. (laughs) Ooh, KJ. KJ likes doing the thirty second recap. KJ is the only person that likes doing the thirty second. That is because KJ is an agent of chaos. (laughs) (laughs) KJ is stronger than me. KJ is stronger than all of us. I don't even like doing the thirty second recap. I design the thirty second recap. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. KJ is is of a is of a realm which we mere mortals. could not deign to wish (laughs) (laughs) well tell me when you are ready and i will count you in all right i'll take the plunge whenever okay three two one go Okay, so on a routine uh, hunt, they go into a comic book store and get told that they're LARPers for the book series Supernatural, and they track down the author of these books, and it turns out these books are pretty much down to each single detail, detailing their lives of the previous three seasons, ending when Dean goes to hell. So they go, they meet the author, his name's Chuck Shirley, and uh, basically they have to stop Lilith. Uh, God, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I run out of time before I get to, like, the actual plot. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you still you got through most of it though. Uh, you got Chuck in there. and Chuck Shirley. You know, really, that's that's yeah. that's the episode. That's what this episode is about. Didn't mention Cast though. I know. Uh, that's because we're going to spend the whole episode mentioning Cast. Yeah, the whole rest of it's. We really are. So now it's time for us to pick some music to accompany us on our journey. We are going to be collecting songs to create a season four mixtape. So here's what we have for this week. Noah, why don't you kick us off with your song? Today, I've decided to go with How It's Supposed to Be by Mike Posner. It starts off as a nice little soft song about accepting that maybe the wrong decisions you've made are just how it's supposed to be. And that's just how it's written. Then it starts to become more powerful. And it's about, well, hey, if that's how it's supposed to be, maybe I'll die young and it won't be how it's supposed to be. And uh, it kind of fits how uh, Dean comes at this episode with Cass and how they fight back with their free will. Very interesting. Nice. Very fitting. How about you? Uh, I'm going to go with Inside Job by Pearl Jam. Also kind of a song about choosing humanity, choosing, you know, what comes in from your heart. It's it's a very interesting song, kind of thematically. And yeah, that's what I'm going with today. Oh, yeah. Jesse, how about you? My pick, uh, mainly because I have only been listening to this album since it came out and pretty much nothing else other than Taylor (laughs) Swift, uh, is uh, Daffodil by Florence and the Machine. Oh, 
that's a good pick. <laughs> yeah, I mainly because like the song itself is about like, you know, there is no good, there is no bad, and sort of like things are just kind of having to accept things just like as they are, but also trying to hold on to hope while you're doing that. And, um, you know, the the line in it of uh, make myself myth- made myself mythical, tried to be real, feels very in, in line with uh, today's episode. Yeah. Yeah. Am I really going to use this song? Give me like one second. I'm just checking the lyrics to make sure this isn't a crazy pick. I mean, if it is, it'll just add to the general energy of this. You know what? Screw it. I it, This is all Jesse's fault. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> she said Taylor Swift. <laughs> Taylor Swift song, yeah. Elena. Uh-huh. It is. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Well, let me see. Let me see what this this uh, latest album has to offer. It's been a few episodes since we've had a Taylor Swift song. So that seems and, appropriate. And it's usually me. It's I'm the problem. <laughs> it's me. Um, I am going to, my pick for this episode is going to be Mastermind. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, absolutely. 100% the right pick. Yeah, it was all by design because I'm a mastermind. But also I would like to point out that the first, uh, set of the first like stanza of the song uh once upon a time the planets and the fates and stars align you and i ended up in the same room at the same time (laughs) big dean cass energy especially of the moment by the vending machines because oh boy howdy okay okay i didn't know that was gonna end up being such a good pick but you it's all jesse's fault we love you (laughs) you're welcome Well, now that we've got our mixtape playing, it's time for the hunt of the week. Today's episode is the monster at the end of this book through the theme of knowledge. There are episodes where we talk more or less about the theme we've chosen. This is going to be one of those episodes where I think the theme is very going to help us a lot with where we're going to go with this episode. But I need to ask a question of Noah first, which is (laughs) Noah is the only one of us for whom literally this is his first watch of this episode. And we need to know some of your thoughts. We also want to know what you know, because you've been Supernatural fandom adjacent for long enough that you may know some things beyond the scope of this episode. You you alluded to that in our conversations prior to recording. What do you know? Well, potential spoilers ahead. Just- right off the bat. Potential spoilers ahead. If you don't want to know anything about what I know or you know, if you're trying to stick it out. Or what he's wildly inaccurate about, which is also possible. That's also true. <laughs> I could be completely wrong about some of these things I say. But if you just don't want to know, hit that little fast forward button a few times. You're good. Okay, I know Chuck is God, right? Like, okay. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm good be. there. Oh, what a fucking relief. Yeah, uh, this yeah. is going to make talking okay. about this episode so much easier. <laughs> yeah, okay. Thank Chuck. I mean, <laughs> Chuck. Yeah, see, okay, you can't not know that. I, I feel like there was so many posts online about like, wow, Supernatural is such a great show. They're, they had God and he was just a guy named Chuck. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to miss on Tumblr and whatever. I also here. feel like because like Abigail and I talk a lot about the Chuck one theory. And so I feel like you've probably heard us mention that like 400 times. Yeah, I I know that. Like, I'm good there. Um, I don't know if he knows that he's like, if he's just playing along. It seems like not. But like, you know, I don't know the specifics of that. That was going to be my question, because like, there's like a pretty strong theory about like, when does he become God? Mm, Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. So I'll have to definitely pay attention to that. And I, I... 
I was watching for that. I was like, hmm, okay. I know who this Chuck guy is. Does he know who Chuck is? Like, like it well, didn't I think, seem like, like it. There's a point where, like, it's. I guess the question is more: at what point do the writers know that Chuck is gone? <laughs> That's also well. Fair. The fact that he says in this episode, "I'm, I must be a god, the a cruel, is, capricious god." I think that. you can interpret it a couple of different ways, and depending on how sinister you want to read Chuck, you know, like you can, if you, if you want to read like his, you know, talking about knowledge, if you want to like be like his, he has full knowledge, like mm. this whole time. Mm-hmm. This episode gets so much more sinister. Mm-hmm. I personally like that. Um, yeah, I think that that's adds how a I lot read to, it. That's how I end up reading it now in retrospect. But there's also other valid like ways of interpreting Chuck in this episode of like how much is he fucking with them, basically. <laughs> Well, there's like the second he says that line where he's like, there's only one explanation is that I'm a god. And then there's like this beat where they like linger on a face. And I was like, you know, you know what you're doing. Yeah. This is the thing is I've never been able to decide what I think about like the writers knowing like this crypt is crazy. It's a crypty thing that he put in knowing. Especially I, I think he did. Yeah. How long of how long does it take before he is like it's, it's end of the oh, season you, type do you want to know oh, that information he, yeah i'm like that okay, is well, okay is it is it past is it past five kripke's era yes it is past okay. kripke's era <laughs> okay. i'm okay with that that's yeah. fine i mean but is it's it frustrating though? but okay, yeah, it is it is it is definitely not definitive until after kripke's era i think that once you know it's really easy to see it earlier but I think it's not definitive until after Kripke's era. That's my argument. But I, I willing when we get to some of those episodes in season five that I think you're referring to, Elena, I'm willing yeah. to be argued wrong. I, I look forward to affectionately duking it out with you. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. <laughs> but for now, for now, I, I, I think we, we treat him like a prophet. And yeah, right yeah. now, right now he's he's a, a little little squirrely prophet guy. Yeah, yeah. The narrative believes he's and a Cass is a fan of his work. <laughs> Big fan. Side eyes, Dean. Okay, really? yeah. Did you see the outfits? the The design of the lack of outfits. The lack of outfits, and he immediately was like, "Oh, y'all are cosplaying. Cool, gotcha." Yeah. <laughs> Yep, and Cass sitting, standing there and flipping through the book, um, which I didn't catch this watch, which of the books he's flipping through. I do think that might be significant, and I do kind of want to see if I can figure out which of the books he's flipping through. I think you can you can see the cover of it. I think it's super important that in this episode, they aren't messing around at all. <laughs> it starts off with the comic book store, and that kicks off everything. It starts the whole story jumping through and doesn't waste time. Tells you that, hey, the, the brothers are characters in a series, and w- what the fuck is going on there? Like, Gotta go figure that out. This reveal is so bonkers. Like, you know, like up till this point, like not that Supernatural has not gone like meta with episodes prior to this, but this is when you're just suddenly like, we are commenting on our own story and we're commenting on our own fandom within the show. Mm-hmm commenting on their own writing yeah love that chuck has a whole monologue about oh my god like you guys had having to live through bad writing oh that's so terrible i'm so sorry Did you guys live through the bugs they knew okay so that was my question is like was this i i can't remember is this the first time that it's gone fully this meta yeah i think there, so there is a couple of other meta-esque things like i would say like ghost Facers has a strong meta element with the cursing and all that mm-hmm. like with yeah the ghost Facers effect there's a couple of other episodes where it's scarecrow of- is the book he picks up 
Uh, oh, interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, there's a couple that I think are kind of a little more meta. I mean, in the beginning has some meta elements, but I think this is the first like really explicit pull you out of the story to look at the story while still being within the story. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, it's got episode titles on screen that they yeah. are reading through. And it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, cool. There's some Justin Bellow, Sin City, whatever. No, but they no reference <laughs> Gordon. No, they reference specific events, you know, like Dean's reading the book and he's like, I'm full frontal here, dude. I'm full frontal. <laughs> no, which book Cass was reading? I was like, is Cass reading Route 666? I want to know. I wish she was. I oh, wish, God. unfortunately. That would have been great. <laughs> Dean, what is this stirring I feel? <laughs> I was blown away at first i was like whoa okay okay love this did you know about because you knew about like who chuck is but did you know about the books i i didn't know that they were books i knew that they end up as characters it becomes a show at some point i think it, it's <laughs> they end up as characters of yeah this is recurring themselves. this will be recurring yeah i i knew that that happened i wasn't sure how it started yeah but books yeah, is starts a good out books mm-hmm. getting their innermost thoughts and everything so that's this also has one of my like favorite dumb lines of the whole show he's just like i can't see your face but those are definitely your brooding and pensive shoulders <laughs> you just thought it was a i dick. don't know why i think that is one of the funniest lines in like ever <laughs> it really is well- I feel like they finally got to like, I I like that they can poke fun at themselves in this way. I don't like, I feel like this was also like the first time that they started poking fun at their own audience, which I don't like, but yeah, being able to poke fun at themselves, 100%. Being able to poke fun at the fact that this show is cheesy and dramatic, it was, is a nice, nice touch. (laughs) Like it is. And self-aware. The the moment where uh, like Chuck is also just like as a writer, the moment where Chuck is describing and, you know, he reached forth the determined hand and pressed the button with determination. (laughs) I was like, this is, first of all, this is a call out. Second of all, (laughs) like it just, it felt like such a nice moment of like writers like joking with themselves. I also Mm. thought the joke where Dean's like, okay, so how does this work? And he's like, do you mean my process? you giant dick like you mean my process of course you mean he means your process like chuck is still holding on so tightly to this like i'm but i'm just a writer <laughs> like this is my these are my ideas and it's i think really funny even funnier when you know who he is like i think it's that's that's one of the only notes that i actually did get a chance to type in the document was my process <laughs> it made me laugh so loud <laughs> Well, I love like him being a prophet does not in any way affect whether or not he's a good writer. The supernatural books very well could be bad, even if they are accurate. And you get kind of the impression that they they maybe are bad. (laughs) Because they have an underground following, not a great following. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The fact that the lady has the tattoo on her ass, though, is is just (laughs) always gets me. (laughs) That part felt a little too real. I really, I really, like, this is also the first time we get a fan, obviously a fan of Supernatural portrayed. Like, this is not going to be the last time we're going to get a fan of Supernatural Mm. portrayed within the show. And I do think, like, you kind of alluded to this earlier, Jesse, like, like, they do... They, they are, like, when they poke fun at themselves in their writing, it's 
enjoyable when they poke fun at the fans it's less enjoyable to watch because it's kind of a it's not just a like it's a little bit mocking yeah especially because they're fans like it's made to be seemed like their fans are mostly female like there's some attitudes towards female fans specifically that are kind of come out in this episode yeah, yeah, I think like this um this episode I didn't have as much of a problem with it as yeah. I do in later episodes cuz like yeah, agreed. agreed. If yeah. you were in Sam and Dean's shoes, obviously the whole thing would be really weird and mm-hmm. you would probably have that reaction to it. But the fact that they really do carry on with this like, oh, it's just weird. Like the whole thing is weird and people who like it are weird. And it's like, you know, that's us, right? We're the people you know- who so, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, the, like, we're the weird. We're watching your show that you're making for people to watch, presumably. You want people to watch. It's a little bit of the, like, I think there's some prop issues in the writer's room and creator's rooms where there's, like, I think they maybe wanted this show to be, like, watched by, like, American men. Yeah, and then they really when did, their fandom was mostly women and queer people, they were like, oh, not, we didn't actually want this fan base. So we're going to kind yeah. of mock them a little bit. This episode mm-hmm. is definitely not the worst offender. There's a couple moments. and But yeah, like, I think I see when you see it through Sam and Dean's perspective, it's a little more palatable. Yeah, because it's like, I wouldn't, I definitely would not want anybody reading my life like that. Like, good God. Yeah. It's such a good scene, though. It's such a funny scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> them proving who they are not and it also gives us lots of just like fun facts about them like that's how we know when dean's birthday is and that sam genuinely can't remember what he got on the lsat yep <laughs> <laughs> well that was one of my notes in regards to knowledge was like we're presented with the idea that the people who know the most about them are not them and Ooh. i think that's fun Ooh, that's interesting i hadn't thought uh, about that yeah me neither because like i mean you know because obsessive fans could learn a lot more about people because if they if i was trying to memorize facts about somebody that i really really wanted to know and impress i would i would memorize the most obscure facts and things that they themselves might have just forgotten in their day-to-day life a little also thinking about that in terms of like the supernatural fandom not to get really meta with that but like this in terms of like the supernatural fandom and sometimes there's been conversations between the fandom and the creators and Mm -hmm. the creators like we didn't mean something this way or like you know there's sometimes i think fans who spend a lot of time analyzing and knowing and understanding a piece of media sometimes i think can have an understanding of it and a knowledge of that piece of media or that story that maybe actors in it or creators Mm. of it have not actually spent the same amount of time with and so when i think about like yeah knowing you know and then it gets people into this this silly argument of like oh well they know better than you because they acted it they lived it and it's like (laughs) well yes but they they lived it like you know one week ago like several years ago like the, the the amount of time it takes to act in a scene and the amount of time it takes to rewatch that scene several hundred times over a span of years and then discuss that scene and then break that scene down and then watch 40 hundred analyses of that scene whose knowledge is going to be actually more complete yeah person and who read the supernatural books 50 times or sam and dean who have lived those experiences once and are colored by all of their mm-hmm. but it's not just it's not just the acting of the scene but the way that it's shot and the framing of it and the different placing of people can change our whole perspective of it Mm -hmm. so they could have acted it one way but if it's edited in a different then it's a whole different scenario 
Well, because yeah. even the like brooding and pensive scene, the brooding and pensive shoulders scene, I just couldn't help but think if they stopped and read all of those books, how many internal conflicts between the two of them would be resolved? Because they would be <laughs> seeing each other's perspectives for the first time. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Well, because when he, he's, he's like, it just said that you thought I was a dick. And he's like, oh, pretty good. <laughs> and, and, and then they're resolved. They're not pissed off at each other again. I mean, that's like a small example, but yeah. I, I read a fic once and it's fic that's like set around season nine. So I won't like give a lot of details, but it's it's a fic where a char- another character finds basically finds like the unpublished copies of like sh- the books like from later oh, on gosh. finds the books through like <laughs> season nine and and reads them and brings them to the Winchesters and is like yeah did you like I think they you know this fic don't you I know this fic <laughs> yeah yeah can someone send me this fic I will because, send holy it crap. I will find it and I will send it to you I, especially because you know my feelings on season nine I will also <laughs> recommend it in the links below I'm trying to be really covert about what I say and don't say and which is why I'm not saying which character it is once you know it will be very obvious um but it's one yeah like where you like exactly what you said jesse like 17 have the ability to work through some of these conflicts because they're actually able to understand each other this perspective in a way that they that because they're outside of the narrative a little more looking in because it's from chuck writing it um but it's also interesting because it ends up anyway it's a destiel thing it it's great it's a wonderful <laughs> wonderful thing <laughs> I highly recommend it and I will link it when I find it. I do not remember what it's called, but I will link it in the description. But that whole thing where how much could they, yeah, solve by reading these books, but also like how much forced vulnerability, you know, like Dean's like, mm-hmm. maybe I don't want my brother to read about my sex life. <laughs> That's fair. Fair and valid. Yeah. Can't argue with that. <laughs> Did love the scene where Chuck confronted Sam about drinking the demon blood. Mm. That scene is very important and very powerful because he called him out for like knowing that it's wrong. He said, "Come on, Sam! Like, really?" What gets me is that he blood. said he didn't even put it in the books because it would make him unsympathetic. Which is so interesting when you think about Sam's presentation in the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought that this moment was so interesting on from Sam's perspective because he's talking to somebody who knows everything there is to know about him and then comes out at the end of it saying you're unsympathetic and that's you're not good. You're evil. Not and that's evil. like Aww. And you know it. Big that's been Sam's like biggest fear since season one is that like something is wrong about who he is. And then like when he found out about the demon blood from when he was a baby, that threw him into a crisis of like, maybe I'm just bad. Like, maybe that's who I am. Maybe I can't escape that. Like, the fact that now a prophet is telling him that his action, that basically like he's sort of destined to be the villain, like be unsympathetic, that his reasons for doing things aren't good enough. Uh, which which is interesting if, I, I don't know if we're completely cutting out what we talked about earlier, R.E. Chuck. Uh, we, we won't. We'll just say again that this episode is probably going to continue to contain some spoilers. So if you don't want to know, this may be a good time to pop out, come back in a little bit. It's gonna be <laughs> there's gonna be some some spoilers in this. Um, we can recommend some other podcasts talking about this episode that won't contain spoilers if you w- want to listen to a discussion on this episode without that. But yeah, anyway. So like, if you look at it from um, like, okay, at this point we know uh, Chuck is a prophet. We don't know anything else about him. If we look at him as a prophet, he's still just a regular man interpreting this information. So like, 
okay, you know, his opinion on what Sam does is like kind of, you know, he's just a guy. He's just a mouthpiece, you know? Yeah, but if we look at him as like, here is God's opinion on you. God knows everything about you and he thinks you're evil and or, you know, he's being manipulative. Or he's, yeah, made you to be evil, Hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. depending on what God's powers are. He's trying to get you to think you are. Yeah, he's got ulterior motives where versus like just some guy who like saw what you were doing and was like, Ugh, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's true. And also like Chuck as a, a if Chuck is just like just a guy, he's not a very he's not like someone that you would look at and be like, yes, this is a person who's like really got his got his shit together and like has you know you know reputable opinions the you man know obviously with the that's, outstanding moral compass obviously like those are wild stereotypes and like you know we're not trying to say that like that's just mostly just like that the way chuck is presented to us pre us knowing he's a prophet and then pre us knowing that he's god is that he is sort of like just the everyday man yeah and not a particularly put together one kind of one that's super <laughs> messy and like is mostly trying to escape his life into this story that he's writing and he is somebody that's like completely removed from the situation he's like he is the everyman so to have somebody who like you know sees the stakes but also sees them as a regular person and is like mm-hmm. yeah because mm-hmm. yeah. that in that way it's almost worse because in that way chuck is exactly the kind of person that sam would usually save mm-hmm. and so for someone that sam would normally be saving to be thinking that he's the bad guy like that almost feels like it would hit worse for sam Mm. and chuck and sam has spent so much time trying to be quote-unquote normal and having it slip further and further away from him and now that like a normal person would look at him and be like you're unsympathetic oh that really sucks yeah i just realized too also like finding out that he's the mouthpiece of god and then his religious trauma yeah. The second time around of being like, oh, this person who stands for God also thinks I'm evil. Oh, yeah, because we did talk about how on our episode where he meets Cass, yeah. how like depressing that was for Sam because he's like, oh my God, hello, Mr. Angel, sir. And Cass is basically like, hello, you're bad. Oh, <laughs> you're the evil one, right? And Sam... Of the two brothers, like this, we'll talk about it in a little bit how this episode is kind of a turning point for Dean in terms of like elements of faith. But for Sam, like that's something that he's held really firmly from the beginning of the show that he's fought really hard not to lose his like faith in goodness, his faith in like doing the right thing, his faith in God and a God who like cares. And now finding out that like the prophet is prophesying that he's going to be like given to Lilith. He's going to be caught in the throes of fiery demonic passion. <laughs> oh, or fiery demonic whatever as Dean so happily puts Dean it. He can't even bring himself to say it. <laughs> which is hilarious because that's just bless him. Uh, oh. oh, which is very funny considering like we've already been through this with <laughs> with Ruby. Like this is not you just <laughs> Well, I think that's the sad part is that like Sam Sam is so offended that like Dean would believe that he would do this with Lilith, but I think it sucks because Dean's sitting there being like, well, you did it with Ruby. Like <laughs> you had a good, you thought you had a good reason with Ruby. Yeah. We used to say you aren't going to think you have a good reason with Lilith. Yeah. That that's not necessarily going to be a bad thing, which I think is also indicative of kind of where their relationship is at. Like they've both been keeping things from each other all season. There's the trust that they had, I think pre this season is not that like they've ever had a, a super healthy huh, communicative relationship, but there was some like trust. Like when Dean came back from hell, that really kind of had, has been shifting and 
like when you talk about knowledge, like they've both been keeping things from each other, but also like Dean has known certain things and he's kept from Sam that he knows, which is just like the longer it goes on, the more he's like, okay, well, this is suspicious that Sam isn't talking to me about how he's getting these powers. And there, there's more and more reasons that Dean's like, well, I just don't know if you're going to go dark side. They were brutally honest in that whole conversation about going dark side. It was, it was intense, but heavily needed. And it immediately led into the first time that we've seen Dean really pray, I think, right? Since this Faith maybe shows up in within 0.5 seconds. <laughs> Near immediately, Cass is there, ready to help as much as he can. Prayer is a sign of faith. <laughs> like he's not just being like you, he's he's like identifying that like prayer, it's not just like a sign. He's not calling it like a sign of desperation. Like Dean's like, I am desperate here. I do not have options. I need help. And, well, and Cass is immediately like, I'm going to interpret that and be like, you have faith in something. It's kind of a growth moment because like you think in the very, you know, not 17 episodes ago, he was, you know, that's your problem, Dean. You have no faith. Mm, mm. And so this is like, this is Cass, I feel, is a little like, hmm, I told you so. Like, he's just a bit. He's a little, he's a little too happy about it. And he should be. I also loved, so like the last episode that I was on uh, this show for, I think, helped me to contrast this. But the concept of Dean asking for help at all was. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, it's almost like you trust somebody. Hmm. Wait, what was the last one you were that, that you were on? Oh, long distance call. That's why it's long distance call. Oof. We were talking about Dean having faith in John or not having faith in John. Yes. So now he has something to have faith in and it is not God. <laughs> and it is not it's John. Not his dad. <laughs> yeah. It is. That is fascinating. And he doesn't mm-hmm. have any more knowledge, you know, like he doesn't like he knows probably even even less about Cass than he does did about John but Mm. there's an element of like trust that he doesn't have with anyone else and he doesn't have that with Sam right now and in a lot of ways like he can't have faith in Sam the same way maybe even Sam would have faith in him because he's the like older brother he's the he's Sam's parental figure like he I don't think he would allow himself to have faith in in Sam and like Sam kind of talks about it in the episode too about how he wants to like do something for once like he wants to be able to actually you know the angels seem to think it's going to be dean and sam's like well i think it could be me yeah and you know i think sam wants dean to be able to have faith in him but that's not where things are going right now sadly also about this moment something that gets talked about a lot but i also think we should talk about the first time that Cass appears in this episode is obviously the introduction of free will Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, and I think like so the first scene that Cass is in in this episode where he's you know reading the book and um, saying oh I love your work he's introducing the concept that they don't have free will and that everything is predestined and here we get to see it in very literal action and then of course his next scene where we get to see him break that and we get to see him like rebel like not just like exercise free will Mm -hmm. but like straight up be like this is why I can't help you. Let me give you the information that you need to disobey. Like, But here's the thing. Here's the kicker for me is that he does not do that until Dean tells him to basically like lose his number. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's like, fuck off if you're not going to help. I'm done. It takes Dean being like, I'm I'm gonna be gone 
you like you will not get any more help from me. Like I I will be out of this. And this was and it's first prayer, last prayer type shit. Yeah, you know, and it basically to me that always came came across as Cass realizing like I I have to like I can't lose Dean, so I am gonna have to like I have to make this choice. I have to rebel. Well, and then the way that the way that Chuck is like, I didn't write this. Uh-huh. And yes. Dean shows up immediately. Just... Well, and the okay, so I'm gonna come back to this, and I feel like I've quoted this scene a few times, but like Cass's whole arc in this season is about free will, and I think about that scene um, where he's like, can I tell you something I haven't told anyone else? Like Dean is the only person that Cass has like admitted his doubts to, his questions to. So the idea that Dean would just be like, actually, I'm going to walk away because you can't get your, get the stick out of your ass. Like, I think Cass goes like, I haven't figured out, I haven't figured out what this all is yet. Like I am, he's, Cass has like been sent on this, like been started on this path towards free will, but he is terrified of the consequences of that. And I love, I wrote it down as the, it being a strategic move. I love the idea of it having to have been like, like it forced his hand a bit. Mm-hmm. And to Cassie probably was like, well, you know, what the hell else am I supposed to do? And I don't know. Yeah, it, no, it's, it's great. Cause it's Dean being, it's the fact that like Dean is so unpredictable and so fixated on free will and so unwilling to be told what to do that Cass is just like, and then just like, is like, okay, fine. <laughs> like, I guess there is a way actually we can get around this. It's saying you changed me, Dean. <laughs> just saying. No, okay. In relation to that scene, I have a, this is, this in no way spoils anything for Noah, but any, if you know, you know, people listening will understand why this broke me. The line never hit me until today. Remember how I was saying, like, you know, when he says to Cass, like, you know, I'm going to be gone if you don't help me. The line specifically is, don't come knocking. Oh, go directly uh-huh. to jail. Do not pass go. Do not right? collect $200. Oh, that is not okay, Elena. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh. I know. That's it. That's all I had to say. That's my contribution. The way the ex- writers stumble into things sometimes. Yeah, that's that's why I know that, like... The accidental genius of Supernatural. Yeah, the accidental genius strikes again. I also want to just point out a quote in, in the same breath um, from earlier on that hit me differently today. Um, and that's the, we get off book, we never make it to the end. And I, I, I don't have any, like, comments about that that aren't wildly spoilery, but just that... That sort of thesis of of we we take the ending and we throw it out. <laughs> Literally and metaphorically. I can't have any further thoughts without accidentally spoiling. <laughs> so I'm, it's okay. I'm I think, keeping mum. I think Jesse, we had talked about doing a, a an episode specifically about anyway, we're gonna Chuck. Leave, Yeah, we're gonna do an episode specifically about Chuck where we can talk a bit more spoilery. So we'll come back to some of this. Stay tuned for a bonus episode at some point in the future. Because we're not waiting till season fifteen to talk about certain things. <laughs> I did. I did remember my point though. Um, the because uh, I had we go off book in my notes as well, just because I think it very beautifully ties into the theme of the week. Like you know, it's it's like it, once you have that knowledge of how it's going to end, then you kind of like you have the opportunity to choose something different. Mm-hmm. And I just think that like that's kind of a cool a cool tie into the theme. But it, we have examples of them trying to choose something different and it being the choices that end up resulting in what they read before mm-hmm. so 
it, well, that's the thing is like destiny or God or whatever you want to call it, put fights back in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like they try and they try like not extreme ways of exerting their free will and they get thrown on their asses a bunch of times. Yeah, literally. And it's not until they actually, it's not actually until Cass intervenes and Cass goes, mm. this is how, this is like the big move that we make. And this is the big unknown. Like when I think about this theme of knowledge, free will is is like basically acknowledging to yourself that you won't have perfect knowledge. Free will is going, mm. I'm going to have to make a decision and I'm not going to know all the outcome. Well, because what I, what I wrote down about this episode was like, how much does knowledge even matter? Like, like foreknowledge isn't helping them in any way. And I think it really ties into the theme of the whole season, which is just like how helpless they are. And having any sort of knowledge about the situation because they're so far out of their depth is like useless Mm -hmm. until they do decide to just like completely throw out the rule book. And I I love that about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like that idea that like their knowledge is not really helping them. And that that's like sort of the the key to it. They have to start and stop and start entirely playing by different rules before they get any headway. If they when they start just being like, oh, this is a they go, oh, the the books they're a guidebook of what not to do. But that's still like taking those books as if they are the only option. That's still using a guide as opposed to letting what happens happen. Yeah, which I think is interesting when you view it compared to previous seasons because I feel like season four is this like so vastly different. Like after season four. The show gets so vastly different than the previous seasons like yeah they had to they have all of this basis of knowledge but um how much is it even serving them right now yeah mm. yeah and this is the first season where we really dealt with the idea of like destiny you know in previous seasons there were little hints of it especially with sam but this is the first season where we've kind of gone oh there's like cosmic destiny there are cosmic forces trying to get their way and yet these these brothers and their angel boy toy are fucking it all up (laughs) sorry castiel you're more than that but depending on the fan fiction depending on the slash (laughs) that feels like a fantastic point to move into our going meta section where we are tracking lore slash representation slash behind the scenes trivia and more Yeah, obviously this is, I mean, we'll like mention it really. You have gotten really unlucky on the episodes you've been on, Jesse. I feel like this is the second time you've been on an episode where the show has explicitly addressed Wincest. Mm. <laughs> so really, what is Wait. <laughs> like four episodes total that have ever talked about it until this point. You've been on two of them now. <laughs> yep. Oh, God. Um, in like... 80 episodes. Unfortunate. We're going to just slide <laughs> real quick past it. I do appreciate, as opposed to maybe the previous couple of times this has come up in the show, that this one, they're like, they let the characters speak for it and go like, oh no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just appreciate that canonically within the show, it's explicitly rebuffed. They're both like, <laughs> yeah. Well, because I think in the in the Playthings episode, which is the first one I on, I was yeah. on, they it's more of a joke about like like somebody thinks that they're a couple or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, it yeah. is, and that feels more like support for wins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah they get to bring it up and immediately drop it pass on yeah it was good 
there was a lot of well a lot there was some homophobia in this episode though i felt like that uh i don't know if this is the right point to talk about this but it is it absolutely is uh there was some the server at the restaurant was like oprah's girlfriend says this is the best burger which is just such an odd place to do that like yep hello I, yep. I don't maybe it, should, but it was 20 whatever 20, 2008 maybe yeah 2009 2010 Ugh, yeah well no i think that was like that's just a thing like people use that phrase like all the time to just be like oh yeah like a like a friend yeah I, i've never liked it trust me i don't enjoy it at all but that's like just a freaking thing that straight people do they just refer to their friends as their girlfriends and i'm like i could never well because around 2010 there like i had to google it i was like is oprah gay i literally don't know anything <laughs> but around 2010 there was a lot of like stuff about oprah and her friend speculation yeah, yeah there was a lot of really? like not not in good faith speculation there yeah. was a lot of bad faith speculation and that's definitely what they're jabbing at a little bit okay yeah jeez i did not know that yeah unfortunately well that makes me angry yeah it's lo- it's more sinister unfortunately than just like a bad throwaway comment well it was mm. uh, maybe i just like because i can't remember what it was like to be in that time but i, I was like why even mention that it's fine whatever <laughs> yeah what what benefit did that mm, okay mm. um <sighs> disappointing us yeah if we want to like talk a little bit about like lore i mean we've already kind of talked about that already but there's obviously this episode is entirely lore it's all about you know (laughs) establishing the boys as their own lore in their own universe which is interesting yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) the lore is coming from inside the episode We get some information about prophets and mm-hmm. archangels. We don't yeah. we don't see an archangel. No, Is this the we, first mention of archangels? I think it's the first time we've explicitly had to confirm. Well, no, because we know about Lucifer. We knew about oh, okay. them. So we know- this is the first time we've tried summoning one. Yeah, and it was unclear, like, an archangel. It was unclear who that archangel would be. <laughs> my money's yeah. on Michael. Ah, your money's on Michael. Oh, that's what's going to be my yeah. next question was who you think it is. So. If it's say, the archangel yeah. scheduled to protect God, I mean, <clears throat> Chuck, I think it's probably Michael. <laughs> that's also the thing is because it's not actually, mm. like, how much of this is playing the game because obviously if it's obviously it's chuck it's god it's, he doesn't need an archangel to protect him but he's got to keep up appearances yeah like he's got to like let arch- himself be foiled almost by their plan like he has to well, kind of go oh well i in my own lore i said <laughs> prophets would be protected by archangels so crap i guess i so get one of them over here i guess i have to like acknowledge their free will (laughs) like i guess i have to let them win this one well Well, i wonder if it's like he has like the archangels programmed to like look after chuck like if the archangels aren't necessarily in on it like they legitimately think that he's a prophet that's actually a really interesting question i think Hmm. that that would make sense because i don't think well zachariah doesn't know and Cass doesn't know so i think it would make sense that the archangels lower level angels i think that that doesn't necessarily mean the archangels don't know but i think they probably don't know i do agree that they don't know oh wait wait uh, we answered i was like have we met the other archangels yet because they i feel like they talk about it later but yeah, it's definitely gonna come up well you've met the trickster <laughs> well <laughs> met the trickster okay sure yeah, yeah. okay i'm just i'm just letting you know <laughs> i know we've met the trickster okay sorry would you look at the tar no <laughs> <laughs> but, but i 
basically just I feel like later it's implied that the the archangels don't I think you're correct about that I think that makes more sense it's still Chuck fucking with them with ev- it's more actually Chuck is actually also fucking with the angels ah uh, <laughs> yeah. Chuck fuck <laughs> <laughs> Because I think also later it's implied that for a while Chuck was very amused by all of this. The Winchester Gospel yeah. is a new a new phrase that will probably come back. I don't know. It's good to be established. It's, I like it. It's it's a good sign of fun things to come. Um. Also, like gospel, like good news, like there. That's. <laughs> Have you heard the good news about Sam and Dean? <laughs> that's really interesting. <laughs> I want to talk. I want to talk about yeah. Castiel. <laughs> Correct. Yes. <laughs> but besides that, I didn't notice anything else super lore related. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's worth noting that the lore in the supernatural books within the show is uh, slightly different than the real lore. Is it? Okay. So people can't be reading the books and summoning demons and stuff? Well, because he he talks about, um, like when he says the thing about Sam drinking demon blood, he says, uh, he's like, I didn't even include that in the books. Mm. And I think there's like a couple other hints that he like tweaks stuff a little bit. He's editing the way the narrative is going to be perceived. Yeah. Which is also like interesting when you think of things like the ghost facers effect, you know, where we see them without a filter and it's a different something. Things are different, you know, like the idea that Chuck similarly is like even the show that we're seeing is not necessarily actually uh, it's not unbiased. The real them. Mm -hmm. Mm. It's not the full story. It's been curated for audience. Mm. Well, because you know what, like, could lend to that one moment that I did notice, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but when when Dean is confronting Sam, and he's like, you know, I know what you've been up to, and Sam has this, like, moment of panic where he's like, oh, crap, he knows, and he's just like, you know, about how you, you know, did whatever you did to Alistair, and he says, like, or he says Cass told him about it. We don't ever actually see the scene where Cass tells him, do we? We've seen some scenes where Cass has said, you know, like, your brother's going down a dangerous path, stop him where we will. But we didn't see a scene where he's told where he directly told him like what Sam did to Alistair oh no yeah no we don't see that scene and so that's just like when that moment came up that was like something where I was like oh that's a moment conversations that we're not seeing Mm, what else are they doing that we're not seeing that like um that like vending machine shot is like so iconic just yeah. to, like just like that that shot is such a the way the lighting is you're also getting kind of angelic vibes from it but also Cass like lampana sort of vibes <laughs> like <laughs> listen one one day i'm gonna talk you into letting me do a Cass's lamp episode <laughs> <laughs> i think we could talk for a whole episode about that <laughs> i think i could do a, a mini series season about that <laughs> one last note i had about going meta is uh, rob benedict came in this episode for the first time mm-hmm. and i think it's yes, worth noting did. that he's yes. a, another psych alumni and he's great and no I he's not I... yes he is all <laughs> i mean i was excited last episode when zachariah showed up so you know i was very psyched to see him they're all they're all on psych also i don't know if you've seen the this is what elena and i were alluding to now the last time we talked that the boys has also just cast Rob yes. 
<laughs> and we didn't want to say, I was like, uh, we, yeah, we were like, there's another supernatural. I'm joining the boys, but we can't tell you who you we can't tell you anything. <laughs> I knew we were recording this episode. So this is him. He's the problem. It's him. <laughs> Very excited. Jeffrey about- Morgan yeah. and Rob Benedict in the same season. It's going to be powerful. Wait a minute. I forgot about so, Jeffrey. So maybe God can mm-hmm. beat up mm-hmm. John Winchester. Fine. I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't oh, mind that. It's going to be great. And Jensen Ackles near the end. <laughs> <laughs> and Jensen can beat them both up after. I would, yeah. I guess. Oh, there's that. Is something about Alex movie. Calvert as well? Or yeah, he's I... in the spinoff mm-hmm. of the boys. He also looks like a giant douchebag. His character looks like a giant <laughs> douchebag, and I am super here for it. I think he's going to be playing the going opposite of Jack Glenn, which is going to be great. Collecting them like Pokemon. I... <laughs> Eric Kripke. Eric Kripke only knows three and a half people. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, so that's about it we have for the episode. So we're going to move into our last and often our favorite part of the episode, which is our character blessings. Noah, who do you want to bless this? I would like to bless Chuck because as he appears, he's just a guy struggling to do the best that he can with the information that's presented to him. And he's he's not the best writer, but he's trying. <laughs> I need you to know Aren't the visceral all... reaction my body had to you saying, I want to bless Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> years of trauma pent up knowing years (laughs) i think he's going to have a long dirty dark road ahead of him and i um i just want him to be nice to the boys (laughs) it's a blessing on someone else's behalf (laughs) yeah yeah i want him to be doing better so he's not mean to my guys (laughs) jesse how about you um i would like to bless the uh publisher you beat me to it. Yeah. <laughs> What's her? Did we get a name for her? No. No. The I publisher think... is her name. She sounds like though. a great superhero name. The publisher. Who was on Once so Upon a Time? Those books. Yeah. I think that's very sweet, and she wants them to be published more. I love her. Honestly, and she's protective yeah. of her boys. Relatable. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't think Noah will know what I mean here, but she's the proto-Becky, and I... Oh, and... <laughs> yes, she is. She's the Becky blueprint, and we have to pay homage for that. She, yes. You know, hey, fans don't get represented in shows super often, and we're, well, not like 100% happy with her presentation, there are moments where I'm very fond of yeah. her, like her, mostly her enthusiasm. yeah. I, if we're talking about Becky in particular, um, I, I, I feel like she was failed by the supernatural writers. Yes. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna have I things don't blame to say. Her for that. Anyways, <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, we'll have things to say when we get to that. But the publisher, that's a good blessing. Um, I, I was also going to bless the publisher, but since since Jesse beat me to it, I'm I'm gonna bless our boy. Uh, I'm gonna bless Dean. Just he's uh He's going through it this episode. He's having such a such a crisis of of faith, and he's so worried. And I just I want to give him a hug as usual. Um, it's, it's yeah, I it's 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 always Dean. It always comes back to Dean for me. I just want I want that boy to be blessed. I love that. I went back and forth several times as to who I was going to bless, but I think I'm going to bless Cass. Yay for going against the prophet's words like big like big fucking deal for an angel to be like i can't help you but let me give you the information on how to basically 
give a giant middle finger to God's will. Um, yeah, defying <laughs> the will of God on a Thursday as he does. Like, no big. Just a bamf mood from Cass. And just, I'm excited. This is a turning point for him as well. And I'm very proud of my boy. <laughs> my boy. <laughs> celestial being. A boy can also be a celestial being. <laughs> Well, that is the end of our episode today. So you can subscribe to Saving People Creating Things wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you so desire to share our show, uh, share it with your friends who like Supernatural or or who... Share it with the ones who don't like Supernatural, actually. (laughs) Because I think we could win them over. There we go. You can find links to all of our social media and join our Discord server through our website queeringthingspodcast.com thank you jesse so much for being here again always like oh my god such a delight such a great time it's great to meet you it's great to meet you you're a gem and we adore you (laughs) anytime i think you said it earlier on in the episode but uh where can people find you on the internet uh i am dot tired dot gay on tiktok and just about nowhere else relatable you make great content mostly right now about stranger things (laughs) (laughs) yeah the brain rots real that's okay it's almost over true and if you are all caught up on supernatural and you would like to go back to before the beginning uh abigail as well as our friends beth and kj and occasionally yours truly um are watching the winchesters so you can catch that podcast on twitter where we're at wayward parents or on tumblr at wayward parents pod and be sure to ride along with us next week as we discover episode 19 jump the shark through the theme of nurturing thank you all for coming along for the ride and we wish you a peaceful road until we meet again.